Father, we're grateful for this day, uh, grateful for the grace that you've supplied to us, grateful uh, for our visitors here today, uh, grateful also for uh, the wonderful work you did uh, through Carl and Lynn and being able to celebrate their completion of uh, the Bible Institute. Again, the faithfulness that they were able to show uh, in coming to those uh, courses every week and what you did to enrich their lives as a result of uh, your word. And it has nothing to do with us uh, as teachers. We are just conduits uh, for the word that you've already spoken. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, we're grateful for the opportunity today that we have to welcome in uh, new members to this assembly. Uh, and we're grateful for the desire that they have to be joined and connected uh, to this local body, a representation of the body. And we pray that as we uh, enter into this study today, that we would continue to uh, be able to understand uh, those things that were done early in the church and understanding the transition of the church. And as we lead into our uh, next study uh, in the book of Acts, this might uh, enrich that. We're grateful for all these things for us in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Can you read a little more shirt? <laughs> oh, oh, are we ready to? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay, so I guess there is a, an announcement to uh, make if we want to turn little Ben around for everyone to see. Oh. When Bindi, <laughs> Wendy and John have something to tell you. Here, turn them around, I'll say it. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I, I'm so cute. <laughs> It says Big Brother effective December 2021 in the back of the shirt. All right. Oh, it's the brother. All right. Do we know the. Uh, what does it say? Oh, they, don't, they haven't said, but I don't think they know what it says. Oh, okay. okay. All right. And you put your grinning like a Cheshire So lots to celebrate here. We got uh, now Wendy and John with with uh, their news. You've got our first lady, as it were, <laughs> retiring. We've got Lynn and Carl who have completed their courses here. So lots of good things going on. And then our, our new members. So. Wow, 60 just fails in Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Scott's 60th birthday here Failed today. <laughs> I told you he would let you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Scott. <laughs> so as we... <laughs> <laughs> and now it's just all ripped apart yeah. from it. Man. Now you got to do another 60 years. Yeah. <laughs> Brother Di. I think Bre Brother Don, do you have something to say? Yeah. And one other thing, I don't know if it's in like the back after this, but we just celebrated 50 years yesterday. Wow. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the celebrations continue. Hey, that's 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 ten years uh, short of Scott's sixtieth birthday. <laughs> oh wow! 
Amen. June is a month of celebration. Right. What's the next thing that's going to come out? Right. There we go. All right, so it, um, and for a lot of you guys who've not been in on this study, and I want to, to kind of recalibrate here, and Brother Steve and I were talking about this yesterday as, as he was asking what we're teaching on. So the focus of what we've been doing for the last several weeks is to kind of do a comparative study of the early church and the current church that we're in uh, and see some of that evidence from Scripture and some of the changes that occurred Uh I felt led as I was continuing in this study to go in a little deeper and and to just extend this study into a study of the book of Acts. And so we're going to, after we complete these comparative things that we've been doing, which will be uh, probably about two weeks, we're going to just enter into a uh, scripture by scripture study of the book of Acts, uh, which has kind of been on my mind for a while um, and I've been doing it in a few different places and looking at Acts, so I said, well, why not? Let's just go into it. So it'll probably not be as long as the pastor's <laughs> studies <laughs> through Scripture. He's got, he's got more experience than I do and much, much more things to bring out from the Word. <laughs> and yes, he has more time as well. <laughs> um, so we continue on, and where we've been is looking at some of these gifts that you saw in activity in the book of Acts. And so we looked at the gift of apostle. Uh, we've looked at the gift of prophecy. Or, uh, we did look at the gift of prophecy, and now we're looking at the gift of tongues. And so remember, uh, this gift of tongues, uh, very prioritized by a lot of different churches today as being in activity. And as you look at these churches there's something that stands out to me from what you see when we look in the book, in the Bible. Uh, if you've ever been to these churches where people speak in tongues, and I'm not trying to talk down on anyone, I'm just telling you what I see here. What they're saying is a language that I don't understand. And I don't know if anybody else uh, has seen that. These are not known languages that are across today. What you see in scripture is these were actual languages of the peoples in that area. And a lot of times what you see is they're tied specifically to these Jewish people who have spread into other places. And so they're clearly able to understand that there's something God's doing and working through these individuals. And it brings out the power and the validation of that uh, message by being able to see what God is doing. And that's the comparative thing that I see with a lot of these spiritual gifts that were used early on. As you look at apostle, as you look at prophecy, it showed the power of God working through individuals so that this message that's very new to these people just came through. And they understand this is of God. This is not of man. Remember Peter's description there early on when people saw what was going on at the day of Pentecost and they're thinking, what is going on with these people? Are they drunk? What's, what's happening? And what was Peter's famous reply? He says it's too early for them to be drinking. It's not that. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is that which was spoken of in the Old Testament, and it's come to fruition. Uh, and so there's uh, a very pointed statements concerning that, and, and people were able to determine it. So we, we don't need 
to speak in tongues today. And for those people that think you do, uh, I just don't have the scriptural <laughs> evidence to validate that. What I see from scripture is that was needed at the time because they didn't have a completed text. And hopefully I'm able to, to bring that through uh, here today. But as we look at this gift of tongues and we continue on in our study, we're on page 10 and looking at this idea of speaking, um, I believe we left off on uh, in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1. And the use of tongues in and of itself did not signal uh, love for a brother. And so remember, what was the issue? And this is a while back uh, that the pastor was teaching through uh, this part of Scripture. But if you remember back to 1 Corinthians, there was a big issue going on at the church in Corinth. They were utilizing gifts, but they weren't utilizing them for the enhancement of their brothers and sisters in Christ. They were utilizing them to laud over others and say, well, look at me. <laughs> look at what I can do. And that old nature creeped out. And so as we get to chapter 13 and he's talking about love, he's trying to direct them to how you properly use your spiritual gifts and what the point is of having these spiritual gifts. Uh, and so what is it to love your brother? It's another mechanism you can utilize to love the brethren. And so he says in verse one, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have faith that I can, or so that I can remove all mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And so he goes in then to describe you, to describe to you what love does. And there's uh, these elements that should be in existence when you're utilizing your spiritual gift. If I get up here and using the gift of pastor teacher and I just want to hear myself talk and sound all eloquent and and make myself look um, good before you guys, then who am I edifying? I'm edifying myself. It's not edifying you. You might get something out of the word of God, but you're not getting the benefit of me utilizing my gift in the way that I should. Uh, and so that's something, as the pastor talked about yesterday, we'll have to deal with it at the Bema Seat Judgment, right? You use this gift <laughs> and you didn't use it correctly. And the Holy Spirit's going to be able to take his word and do what he does regardless. Uh, but I'm not getting the benefit of utilizing my spiritual gift in the right way. And you're not being edified in the way that you should through me and the use of my gift as I should be using it. Uh, then in verse 8, we see that the gift of tongues was not permanent in nature necessarily. And we're going to come back to this and hit it a little bit harder here later. Uh, but he, in verse seven, he says of love that it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And this word for cease, we're going to look at a little bit more in detail, but it has the idea of, of being paused. Not not being utilized anymore. I think of uh, any music you're listening to and you want to to leave off and come back to something. What do you do? You hit that pause button. And is that music speaking to you anymore? No, it's stopped. And so we see that here of this gift. And he uses three different words for all three of these gifts to show what's going to happen uh, with these gifts. Uh, Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. 
But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Uh, so we're, we'll come back to that. I don't want to hit it too hard uh, right now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 5, we see that tongues was seen as not as significant for the believer's knowledge as prophecy. So this is a very uh, clear and easy statement to understand. Uh, if I'm just speaking to someone in a language, what good does that have to do next to a prophecy that's given through God of information that you need to know? This, this, I see tongues as more of a gift that, that's able to uh, speak to different people in terms of salvation and those kind of things rather than uh, being able to give you actual information that's helping you to live this life. Which prophecy, uh, there's information that was being conveyed there that helps you in that way. And so in chapter 14 and verse 1, he says, uh, and again, we see this word <laughs> that we studied through in times past and some of you have been in, in my uh, other studies, but this was one word that we studied through, uh, dioko. And what does it have that idea of? Pursuing something. And it has the idea of pursuing it with a certain vigor. Now remember that this is the same word that's used of the word for persecution. And so as you're pursuing someone, what is your intent behind why you're pursuing them? If you're pursuing someone with the intent that I don't like this person, as Paul was before, he was pursuing them with the intent to kill and to imprison. But you're pursuing these things with the intent of, of growing spiritually and living out your spiritual life in the way that you're supposed to. And so follow after, uh, vehemently pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not to men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit uh, he speaketh mysteries. <clears throat> but he that prophesieth speaketh unto men uh, to edification and exhortation and comfort. Uh, you know, there's something about uh, the word of God and the things that we know about the word of God that we can look out into the future and know to be true that stabilizes you in your current life. And we've talked about this many times before, and not to put my dad on the spot, but he's drilled this in my head so much that it's here even to this present day. <laughs> what is that, that FedEx thing? And not to talk down to UPS, Brother Dan, but <laughs> my dad was a FedEx man. And so he drilled these five rules of defensive driving into our heads. What is the one that you guys know that I've spoken around here that is pertinent to our future? Yeah, aim high and steering. Boom. Brother Scott, the, the FedEx man, has got it. And so you aim high and steering. You pick out a fixed object before you, and it keeps you from swerving in your lane. I can find no better uh, illustration that speaks to the Christian life than that. As we look to our happy hope that Brother Dan spoke about last week, we have this hope that keeps us stabilized in our present, right? And this is the same thing he's speaking of here. As you think about prophecy and the things that are stated that we know are coming from God, that's going to stabilize you in your present. And that was clear uh, here as he says that this is more beneficial than speaking in tongues. Uh, in verse uh, 4 he says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would or I desire that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you 
prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, uh, that the church may be edified. And so if you're going around just speaking off the tongue uh, or the top of your head, let's say uh, tongues were in existence today. Let's say I could speak Russian <laughs> and I just got up here and just started going off in Russian to you guys. Who am I edifying by that? What are you guys getting out of that? Do you understand anything that I'm saying? But possibly if you had a person that can interpret the gift, he might be able to interpret it to you and you could see, okay, this did come from God. But I could just as well speak to you in English and you would understand it as well. Uh, so it's not as important, uh, again, uh, to have that gift used in, in these different settings. Um, we also see in uh, verse 22 that tongues was used as a sign uh, miracle for the unsaved rather than for believers and so it's more directed towards those that are not saved uh, that they might see the power of God pick it up in verse 20 he says brethren be not children in understanding howbeit in malice be ye children but in understanding be men and the law it is written with men uh, of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believeth not. But prophesying serveth not them for them that believe not, but for them which believe. And this is a, a very clear and succinct statement. If I'm able to prophesy something to you that you know and can trust is coming from God, that means more to you than it does to an unbeliever. And if an unbeliever hears me say uh, in this time that this is going to happen, thus saith the Lord, eh, they might, that might not move them at all, right? Maybe if they see the consequences and the results of that thing coming to pass, it might have impact, but it's going to have a definite impact on those that believe. Uh, and so you see that here. Now, interpretation of tongues, we just saw that word uh, in this context, um, it was used as a confirmation for those that did not speak the language being spoken. Uh, and it's mentioned among the gifts that are energized by the Holy Spirit back over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10. Go back with me there really quickly. And remember here in this context, we see <clears throat> the, the working of the three persons of the Godhead and the use uh, of these different gifts. And this is a whole body. Remember, we're, we're an organized organism that's constituted of us as believers with Christ at the head. And all three of these persons of the Godhead are energizing through each one of us to be able to utilize these gifts that have been given. Uh, you see it in this context in verse three says, wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of God calleth Jesus a curse, that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but through by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. And so there's different gifts given same spirit that's used working in them. There are differences of administrations or ministries, but the same Lord. You see the second person of the Godhead there. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God, which is working all and all. And so 
as you look at it, you have the three persons of the Godhead. You have the spirit that's leading and energizing for us to do different things. We're working through our position in Christ, and it's God the Father that ordained all of these things to be. Uh, I think it was Pastor Dave that said many years back, where one is working, all are working. And uh, I think Brother Dan and I were talking yesterday about our uh, role or our position that we have in God the Father. Now, we often think about our position in Christ. We talk about clearly our position in Christ, but we don't emphasize the position that we have in the other persons of the Godhead. And that's a difficult study that he's endeavoring to take <laughs> that I'm excited to hear because it's, it's not often that we talk about the position that we have in those other persons and those three persons also indwell you. Three and me, me and three. And so we see that Um, in verse uh, seven, it says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For the one is given the spirit or by the spirit, the word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. So what good does it do to have you have a person that can speak in certain settings? Now, if it was a person that was going out and was speaking in another country, they're going to speak to them in that language and be able to understand, they'll be able to understand what they're saying. But if you're in an assembly where there are believers and you didn't have anyone that can interpret, there's no one that's going to know what this person is saying or what he's he's doing only between those two people that are speaking. Uh, and you see that here. Uh, also, other gifts that were uh, in operation that we see, but we're not going to go as deeply into uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge and discerning of spirits, which we saw all in those contexts. Uh, but I want to get more specifically into this idea of these gifts uh, coming to uh, a, a stopping point. And remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 8, we saw this. And so the progression of the gospel ended the need uh, for the validation. And as you saw the, the word of God progressing and coming to be fulfilled, and you see uh, people learning to more to live by grace, this need to have these gifts that valid, validated the message of God were not as, as needed anymore. And you see that they're going to come to a stopping point. Now, the context bears out that the Corinthian saints were presently misunderstanding the purpose of spiritual gifts. We've talked about that. And the misuse of these spiritual gifts and the uh, proper use of the spiritual gifts are seen in this context. And so as an example, they needed to know how to love one another and how to utilize these spiritual gifts uh, in love. And so gifts uh, working in harmony provide the necessary edification for saints And thus, we can love one another. And as you think about that, uh, we just saw that it's the Spirit of God that's leading in the use of these spiritual gifts. So the discord and things that they had going on in Corinth surrounding spiritual gifts, why is that so? (laughs) Somebody was not being spiritual, right? Someone was not being led by the Spirit in what they were doing. And certainly if you had someone that's getting up and pounding their chest and saying, well, I've got the gift of tongues and I'm just going to show everybody right in front of you right now that I can speak in this language that you might not know. 
Well, good for you. <laughs> it wasn't helping anybody within that assembly. Uh, the gifts mentioned directly uh, to Revelation are seen as fading. Now go back with me over there to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And remember, he says there, uh, charity or love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in a part and we prophesy in part. And this uh, idea here, we're going to break it down a little bit more. But think about it as as a sliced up pie of responsibilities. Some had this responsibility to know certain things and to give that to other people. Certain people had a, a prophecy that God had given them that they were supposed to give to other people. These things were all out from a part. Even uh, looking at Paul and going back early in the chapter and remember, what did he say? There were roles that were given to him and roles that were given to Apollos. And it was God that was causing the increase of all of this. Right. There's nothing that men are doing in and of themselves. And so everyone has a part of the pie that they're supposed to to play in these roles that God has ordained. But in verse 10, he says, but when that which is perfect. Now, I will say uh, a little bit more specific to the language here when that perfect thing is come. This is in the neuter. It's not speaking of a male or a female. It's not speaking of it's speaking of something inanimate, of an idea uh, of something that's going to come to completion here. Uh, and so when that perfect thing is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. So you see these partial things that are being done there will not be any longer necessary. Now, we're going to break that down again here a little bit more in a, a few minutes. Now, the gifts uh, mentioned uh, directly to Revelation are seen as fading. And so the inability uh, of love, especially in the use of gifts, uh, uh, is, is going to fail uh, or the inability to love, excuse me, uh, with the use of gifts. And so Going into specifically in verse eight, we see this uh, uh, and want to break break down a little bit more what he said there. And so he says charity never uh, not at any time fails. And so this idea, uh, a negative particle is given here with this word poti, which means then. And so at no time does love fail. And so it's an indictment on these uh, Corinthian saints that if you're using your spiritual gifts and your spiritual gifts are designed to love one another and it's not accomplishing that purpose, the failure is not on God. The failure is on you because we know love at no time fails. Now, this does transfer out to other people and in our interactions with each other. If we're not loving one another, even outside of the use of our spiritual gift, then there's something wrong with us. Right. There's not something wrong with God. And we see that in this context. And so love at no times fails. Uh, and this idea of failing here comes from the word ekpipto, which means to fall away. Now, I have a, a, a definition of it just a little bit deeper. Uh, it's literally to fall away, but figuratively with ideas to become ineffective as a result of Dick's disconnection from the original source. And so as you look at these gifts, or as you look at love, excuse me, uh, we're going to see this word again, but it has that idea of being you're not connected to the source. And so if you were connected to the source, it would not be failing. 
but because you're you're not connecting to connected to the source, it is. Uh, look look with me over in Romans chapter nine and verse six, and we see this word used. And Paul states that uh, the promises previously made to Israel were not disconnected in spite of their current circumstances. Romans chapter nine and verse six. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Lynn. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about uh, Paul and his desire that he had for Israel. And you see it bearing through <coughs> very clearly in this context. He spends two chapters talking about this relationship that he has with Israel and what he desires to see happen with them. Now, uh, of course, at the end of this, he comes to the realistic conclusion that God is dealing with Israel in a certain way at this point in time. <coughs> Excuse me. And is not dealing with them nationally in the way that he did in the Old Testament. And so uh, here you also see uh, in verse six that these promises that he's made to to Israel are not uh, made void or haven't fallen away. <coughs> Excuse me. In verse one, he says, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow for I could wish that uh, for myself or that myself were a curse uh, from the Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, <coughs> excuse me, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption in the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises whose are the fathers and uh, of whom uh, as concerning the flesh Christ came uh, who uh, is over all God bless forever amen not as though the word of God hath taken none effect for they are not all Israel uh, which are of Israel and I think I missed my verse here Six. Oh, yeah, none effect. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> the word wasn't uh, as I was expecting. But this idea of the word for taking none effect, uh, not that the uh, promises from God or the word of God has taken none effect. And so uh, he, he develops this over the course of time, over this chapter and over the next two chapters, that there are still promises made to Israel that are going to be completed. However, at this current time, in this current dispensation, God is dealing with Israel with the rest of the church. And so if you believe the facts of the gospel, you're no longer Israel. You become part of the church. Uh, and that's clear uh, as we see it in this context. But uh, the promises that God has already made to Israel, those will be fulfilled in the future. Excuse me, I lost my voice there. <laughs> uh, and as we look in, in the context, so this idea of falling away is the word or, or being made of none effect is the word we want to look at. And so an invalidation there, as it were, uh, due to the fact of not uh, being connected to the original. Uh, and we see it in that context. Now, the lack of, of, of future or the future ineffectiveness of certain gifts is foretold as we go back over to First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 and verse eight. Now, it's stated specifically to these gifts of uh, prophecy, tongues, and knowledge. And he, he uh, 
branches these all together in a way uh, that tells you that these gifts have to do with filling a need or filling those things that are needed in part. And so as we read again through the context, love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Now, a lot of people have a lot of theories on what he's talking about here. Uh, again, I can only give you mine. I don't uh, proceed to try to understand what's in the mind of other people. And they say a lot of different things about this verse that says that perfect thing, when that's done or uh, come, that which is in part shall be done away with. I can, again, only give you uh, my uh, view of what this is saying. And so as we look at prophecy, though, this idea that prophecy will uh, become inoperative. And he gives, again, three different statements of what's going to happen with these three different gifts. He doesn't say uh, all three of them and then give one idea of them stopping. He gives a specific statement for each each gift. And so with prophecy, he says it will be caused to be inoperative. That's the idea of this word uh, that we see for it, it shall uh, fail and uh, kind of confuses you there because you see love never fails and translated and then it says fail here. These are two different words. Uh, the first word for fail again is ekpipto, but this word for uh, failed is translated fail is kadargeo. And I liken it to the word that we use for your sin nature, right? What's happened to your sin nature? It's been ruled inoperative. Now, what did we say uh, in the Bible Institute? I think that's where I started this a long time back. And I like using it. I even use it at work. And they liked it there, too. But this idea of the refrigerator. Remember our old refrigerator? It might have been so long that you guys have been used to this new one. You don't remember that old clunker of a refrigerator that we used to have. It was rusted. It was yellow. It looked like something out of the 1980s. Uh, it, it worked. When Wendy said I came in the 1980s and I'm old, so <laughs> was in the 40s. Did they have refrigerators back then? It was. <laughs> was it ice boxes in those times? <laughs> but as we as we think about that refrigerator, it worked if you plugged it in, right? But I bet it didn't work as good as the new one that we have, right? And that's this idea. Uh, when you think about the sin nature, uh, it's been rendered inoperative. It's been unplugged. But we can choose to go and plug it back in and, and utilize it, right? And that's that same word that's used here. And so prophecies will be in the future. They shall be rendered inoperative, they shall be unplugged. There will be no need for them. And I think we're at that place because as we look at the perfect thing, and we'll get into that here in a minute, but as you, you have this perfect thing that's sitting in front of you, what do you need prophecies for? It's full of prophecies about the future. Go read Revelation if you want some prophecies. Uh, but people come up with things, and I've seen people, even in this time, I have a word of prophecy from the Lord. This is going to happen and it's very general. <laughs> First of all, I never see it nailed down that this specific thing is going to happen in the future. Uh, and, and this is the kind of thing that people do. Well, 
<clears throat> different strokes for different folks. I'll, I'll take the prophecy that's in the word of God. Uh, it says, whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And remember, we talked about this idea of the word for ceasing there as being paused. You can push the pause button on these tongues. Now, I think why he didn't use these words that are specific of them never happening again is because we know right before the end of the tribulation period, there's going to come a time again when these things are happening. So they might, they're going to pick up again, but not while you and I are here on this earth and not while we're uh, living out this dispensation of the grace of God. Uh, and lastly, he says, uh, and I didn't look this word up, but I think I have a note for it here in the uh, text. I don't know, I skipped over that one. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Uh, and this idea here in the passive, passive voice is it shall be made uh, to fail. And so uh, all three of these gifts in this point in time and this dispensation of the grace from the God are not in operation. I don't see any need for either one of these spiritual gifts right now. What do you need prophecy for when you have, again, revelation that you can read that has all the prophecies that God desires for us to know? What do you need uh, uh, tongues for when we can speak to each other clearly in our language that we can uh, speak in? And even today you have all of these uh, uh, technological things that also get across the language gap. And so there's not the need again there uh, to speak in tongues. And what is the need for knowledge when we have the mind of Christ? And, and God is able through the Holy Spirit to impart to you the knowledge that he desires for you to know. And so uh, as you see these three gifts, uh, I, I believe, again, they, they come out of focus. And that's why we wanted to, to look at these three. Uh, we see evidence of the changes in Scripture and I don't want to go into them specifically, but uh, as you look at these gifts of healings, uh, Paul, uh, remember over in, in uh, uh, even, uh, 1 Timothy, he says to Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach's sake, right? He didn't say, Timothy, hold it. I'll be there in a few days and I'm going to come and heal you. No, no, he didn't heal him. Uh, there were times where Paul was uh, physically weak and he didn't heal himself. There were other things that could have happened and evidences of these spiritual gifts being used that, that just didn't come to be. And we'll get into that a little bit more as we go through the uh, study in the book of Acts. Now, uh, we, we also can go into the latter church and see that some of these things that were spoken of of the uh, early church have been developed a little bit further. Uh, and that's where we're going to leave or We'll just go through this really quickly, but then leave off for next week as we start into our study of the book of Acts. Uh, but we see that it's uh, the church is given a new commandment uh, to love one another. And think of John 13, 34 uh, and what the Lord said there, a new commandment I give to you in order that you love one another. And so that was the purpose of the uh, giving of that uh, commandment is for the believers to love one another. And again, one of the mechanisms that we utilize in that love is what? Our spiritual gifts. And so what do you see in activity today? It's these speaking gifts, pastor, teacher, uh, teacher, evangelism. And the pastor did a good job uh, several weeks back of uh, going through a lot of these. Uh, and then you see these other gifts that help uh, for the ministry uh, in ministry, helps, uh, faith, giving, exhortation, organization, and administration. And then we can see uh, the use of spiritual sacrifices. Now, um, 
this is something that you're not going to see as much throughout the book of Acts. But remember, there are all of these spiritual sacrifices, and this is not as pertinent to what we're doing, so I didn't list them all. Uh, but think about a sacrifice of giving, right? When you give, you're doing this as a priest, and this is a spiritual sacrifice unto God. It's not just some uh, religious exercise that you, you're coming every week. Oh, here we go again. I've got to give some money. Uh, no, this is a, something you get the opportunity to do by the grace of God as led by the Holy Spirit. And as you do it with that mind in, in, in uh, uh, your mind or that uh, uh, truth in your mind, you're going to uh, be accepted by God. This kind of goes back to uh, the Cain theory, and I often come back to that. Uh, why was Cain's offering not accepted? Why was Abel's accepted? It was uh, the attitude of what they were doing, and it was the obedience in what they were doing. Cain did what he thought was good. He said, hey, I, I till the ground. This is what I do. You should be more happy with this than you are with this sacrifice. I'm giving you the best of what I do. And don't people do that today? I'm a talented musician, and I'm doing this for God. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit did lead you to do that. I don't know. It's between you and God. But I can see in Scripture that there are certain sacrifices that are listed that are Definitely well-pleasing to God as you do them. Uh, and the use of your, your spiritual gifts, the giving of your body, uh, giving in general. Uh, now, as we look at uh, the use of giving, uh, use of giving to love, uh, we see that. And then uh, heavily reliant, I will say, on the Holy Spirit. You can't do anything in this Christian life apart from the Holy Spirit. And I, if nothing else comes across through the book of Acts, you see the Holy Spirit from the very start of his coming in chapter 2 all the way through the end of this book, that he is active, very active in the lives of these individual people. I'll cite one thing as we close out here. Think about Peter. Now, I like to pick on Peter because Peter was a, a coward <laughs> at times in his life, right? When the little girl came to him. Now, Think about this in segments, too. You can think about it in, in that he boldly, in his flesh, went after these soldiers when they were coming to accost the Lord. So you can see he has the capability of actually doing what he said he was going to do. What did he tell the Lord? I, would, I will die with you. And he really meant it because he showed it in the garden when they, they came to get him. Yet when this little girl <laughs> came to him and said, you were with him, <laughs> what did he do? He ran like a scolded dog. <laughs> he, he was very afraid. But this is not the same Peter you see as you come to the book of Acts. I will submit to you there's not one time in these interactions with people where he should have been fearful, where he was fearful. And I think it's, it's a thing where we, we have not dealt with persecution in this life, and it's uh, in America where we live, right? We've lived a pretty easy life. I don't know about everyone else. Maybe you're facing some persecution that I haven't seen. But we think about this and think about our lives being at risk, and how will we respond to that? I don't have the ability to handle that. Well, neither do I. But I can tell you by the leading of the Holy Spirit, if we're where we need to be, it won't matter what comes to us because it's his power 
that we're working through. And hopefully as we uh, get through the book of Acts, that'll be something that becomes uh, clear. Uh, and so starting next week, I thought it was going to take two weeks. I didn't guess I didn't look at my notes good there. <laughs> but uh, starting next week, we'll start looking in a verse by verse study through the book of Acts. And uh, hopefully it'll be edifying. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we're grateful for this day, uh, grateful for uh, your grace, uh, grateful for the leading of your spirit, uh, grateful that you've done everything uh, as far as our salvation is concerned. And there's only uh, for us to walk in those uh, things that you've already done through your son, Jesus. We uh, pray that uh, as we uh, look back on these things that we can see the differences not, not the similarities, but the differences between uh, how things were done early and how they should be done now. And that the Holy Spirit would be the ultimate one that's guiding us into all those things that you desire for us to do. It's in your son's name we pray these things. Amen.